0: There's lots of advice telling you how to set and reach your goals. But before you dive in, it's a good idea to know God's plan for your life. Find joy in pursuing the next steps God has for you in Dr. David Jeremiah's new book, Forward, Discovering God's Presence and Purpose in Your Tomorrow. God does have a perfect plan for you, and it's time to embrace your life's purpose. It's time to move forward. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca forward. Think about salt for a moment. It doesn't draw attention to itself. It just makes other things taste better. No wonder Jesus wants his followers to be like salt. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah considers more of the qualities Jesus desires from those with the courage to share his love with the world that desperately needs it. Listen as David introduces the compelling conclusion of his message, Leadership.
1: We've learned so far uh, yesterday that uh, Jesus teaches us uh, to be leading by cooperation rather than by competition, to be leading by conviction rather than convenience, and to be leading by courage rather than cowardice. Three very important principles for leadership that translate all the way to right now, right today. Whatever it is your leadership task is, those three principles will help you uh, lead uh, according to Jesus, we're going to talk about the last part of this in just a moment. But first, I want to remind you that uh, this series on Mark is a part three of three sections. We don't usually take a book like Mark and teach it in one whole section. We've taught the first third of the book, then we taught the second third, and now we're finishing it up. But what you need to know is all of the lessons from the entire book of Mark are now available in study guide form and on CD. So if you want to do your own study of the book of Mark, get this resource. All of the details, all of the notes, all of the footnotes, the commentaries that we have consulted, they're referenced in the study guide, and you'll be able to follow through the book of Mark from Chapter 1 all the way to the end. We're finishing it up right now, but we started it months and months ago, and it's now all available. And the current series, In Search of the Savior, the Gospel of Mark, Study Guide, Volume 3, and the CDs that go with that, are available from Turning Point. Our website is org. There you'll find a lot of resources to help you in your study of the Word of God. Don't forget also that during this month, we're making available the book by O.S. Hawkins, The Bible Code, Finding Jesus, in every book in the Bible. This beautiful gift book is yours for the asking when you send a gift to Turning Point during the month of November. Let's get back to our study. It is a sad fact that pride... And competitiveness often lead us to work against others who are on the same team and the result of it is if you stop and ponder it for a moment the result of it is that those who are living in the kingdom of darkness who need our witness are left in their oppression and suffering while we argue about what is the right way to reach them I just want to go back and remind you that we have the same goal we're trying to reach this lost world for Christ and as everything around us seems to be crumbling and as all of the things that used to separate us seem to be so insignificant and foolish, if we're going to make an impact on this world for Jesus Christ, we've got to quit playing the silly games we've been playing for so long and remember that if we're on the same team, we should fight in the same way, work with one another and try to make a difference in the world where we've been called to make a difference. We have the same goal. But notice, Jesus added one more thing. We have the same God. In verse 41, he says, "'For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name, "'because you belong to Christ, "'assuredly, I say to you, "'he will by no means lose his reward.'" Here's the question, does he belong to Christ? If he belongs to Christ, I don't mean he just by word belongs to Christ, but genuinely belongs to Christ, is a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's the core that you need to care about. Does he belong to Christ? These words, if kept before us, will deliver us from a party spirit and from petty bickerings and from jealousy in Christian service. Does he belong to Christ? Romans 14, 7 and 9 says, For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lives again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. We serve the same God. Let us not forget that. So the first part of Jesus' instruction that day was to his disciples, and I want to just pause for a moment and remind you that here in this section of the book of Mark, we actually see Jesus Christ doing a little leadership training for his disciples. He knows that one of these days, he's gonna be out of the picture and the whole thing will rest on them. And I believe that some of these lessons, which are so very to the soul, were lessons meant to help the disciples after Jesus had gone back to heaven. For we know for a fact from the Scripture that when Jesus went back to heaven, the Spirit of God brought back to their minds many things that they had learned from Jesus while he was on this earth. Now, the Lord's gonna switch gears a little bit with his disciples and teach them another lesson, which is also vital for us to learn today. And this is a very tedious section of Scripture. I don't mean that in any way to be disrespectful to the Scripture, but you'll know what I mean as we get into it. The first lesson we learned from the text today was how to lead by cooperation rather than by competition. But the second leadership lesson Jesus is giving his disciples is learning to lead by conviction rather than by convenience. And he begins in verse 42 by helping the disciples to understand that they have been given a great gift And that gift is the gift of influence. And in the 42nd verse, we read these words, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. This is a sober warning to his followers against injuring or destroying the faith of simple and ordinary people. The Greek word translated causes to stumble refers to destroying the faith of a fellow believer or causing a believer to fall away from God. The punishment for such an offense is calamitous according to Jesus. To cause someone to sin because of our attitude of superiority and elitism as a leader is a very serious issue with our Lord. Jesus tells us that we are not only to accept the downtrodden and the outcast pictured by the little child that we saw in the last lesson. We are also to make sure that we do not do anything that causes that child to stumble. Jesus says that when you're given influence as a leader, you have a double responsibility to live your life in such a way that it does not become a means for others to misunderstand who God is and to stumble in their faith. To be in a leadership role or to have folks who look to you doesn't mean you have to be perfect or paragons of virtue, but it means you need to take seriously that you've been given a gift of influence and you need to use that influence carefully. In the ancient world, grain was ground by big cylindrical-shaped millstones that were so large they could only be turned over by the power of oxen. The millstone imagery was so dreadful for a Jew. Jesus said it would be better to take one of those huge millstones and tie it around the neck of a person and drown him in the sea. It would be better for him to experience that than to have to stand before a righteous God someday with the knowledge that because of the way you lived and the things you did, you caused many to stumble and lose their faith. I read this passage very soberly. I would rather die than ever do anything that would cause somebody to not see Jesus as he is. I'm not a perfect person by a long shot. In case you want to debate that, you can call Donna. Uh, <laughs> I make a lot of mistakes. I'm a flawed human being. But I do understand the responsibility of the stewardship of influence. Some people that I know and love and respect have done some things that they shouldn't have done, in my estimation. And they've made it very difficult to comprehend what is this all about. Sometimes we like to flaunt our freedom. If we preach grace as we should, if we're not careful, we think, well, that means I can do whatever I want to do. I'm a child of the King. I live by grace. If you don't like it, you just don't understand grace. Well, that's just not a very good way to go through life. When God honors you with influence and a position of leadership, you have to walk by a different set of guidelines than anyone else. How do you know if you're a leader? Look around and see if anybody's following. If nobody's following, you're not a leader. And people do not follow for very long if they know you're not genuine in what you do. Are we going to have mistakes? Yes. Will we slip up along the way? Yes. But the key is, if you're a follower of Christ, you don't let it go long before you make it right and you get back on the path toward the Lord. But to do something that is totally outside of the context of what a leader would do and then flaunt it in the name of your freedom? I don't want to have to answer for that. (laughs) That's just flat out wrong. And it's not just about me, though. Sometimes I thought the Lord was preaching to me before I could ever preach to you. It's about any of us. All of us have roles of leadership within the body. Some of us are teachers. Some of us are leaders in our small group. Some of us are on boards. Some of us are up in front of people singing. And you know, when we take for granted that this is just what I do here and I can live any way I want to in the rest of my life, that's just not the way the Bible is written. God wants us to be people of integrity and to be the same people wherever we are. If I preach the Word of God, and then I go out and live in a way that is unbiblical, I have just undercut all of the authority that comes with the preaching of the gospel, and I have been an incredibly bad steward of the influence God has given me. God gives all of us a stewardship. There's a stewardship of time and talent and treasure. We all have that. But sometimes God gives to some people the stewardship of influence, and when you get that stewardship, to me, that's one we don't talk about nearly enough. That's a serious, sober thing. So look at your own life. Who are the people that look to you? Who are the people that follow you? Who are the people that believe you're the person who follows Christ, and so they're trying to figure out what that's like, so they're looking at your life? Acknowledging the reality of your influence. Here's the second thing. This section about accepting the responsibility for your influence begins in verse 43 of the ninth chapter. Listen to the words of Jesus. This is red-letter stuff here. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Jesus uses three parallel statements to illustrate the importance of walking in holiness. The hand, the foot, and the eye symbolize our entire life. The hand symbolizes what we do, the foot symbolizes where we go, and the eye symbolizes what we see. And in the simplest terms, Jesus is setting two opportunities before us, one which flaunts one's freedom and the other which takes life seriously and would rather lose a hand, a foot, or an eye than to cause someone to stumble because of one's carelessness. The point is that it is imperative that we should take swift and earnest action against anything that might take us away from our commitment to Christ. The Lord Jesus isn't really telling us to cut our arm off or cut our leg off or pluck out our eye. What he is saying is that if there's something in our life that's causing us to live in a way that's not with integrity, you would be better off without an important part of your body than to go through life hurting others and in the end hurting your own soul. So this whole thing about being a Christian is not for wimps. This is not for people who just want an easy life. And you would, sometimes you get that impression when you listen to what goes on in churches because we just seem to be coming to church to try to help everybody feel better. Christianity is not about feeling better. Christianity is about doing better. And when you do better, you'll feel better. It's about following the Lord and taking his truth seriously and living a life that has integrity in it so that when people see you and they see right through you, there isn't any change. You are who you are. And the Bible tells us that sometimes when God shows us something in our life that is hindering our progress with him, we need to take swift action. We need to deal with it ruthlessly. We need to quit doing whatever it is. I could give you all kinds of illustrations, but I know you're cycling through your own set, so I'll just let you do that. What is it in your life that's keeping you from really going on with the Lord? What is it in your life that's causing others to wonder what this Christianity is all about? Jesus said you'd be better off to just get rid of it. Take the drastic action that is illustrated by amputation and deal with it. And then there's one last thing in this text and we'll be finished leading by cooperation rather than competition, and leading by conviction rather than convenience, and thirdly, leading by courage rather than cowardice. In the 49th verse of Mark 9, Jesus says, "'For everyone will be seasoned with fire, "'and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt.'" Jesus is saying, if you're going to be a follower, remember, this whole thing is a continued teaching from Jesus who is telling his disciples what it means to be a disciple. Remember, the disciples wanted a Messiah with a crown, and Jesus says, you got this all wrong. The Messiah you're going to follow is a Messiah with a cross. You want the easy life, three tabernacles on top of Mount Transfiguration. You want life seated at the right hand and the left hand of the master in his dominion. I'm telling you that the Christ you got, the Messiah you got, is on his way to the cross. And if you want to be a follower of his, you've got to understand some of that's going to spill over into your life. Like what you do with your influence and how you deal with the success of other people. And most of all, how you face suffering in your own experience. He says, everyone will be seasoned with fire and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. The key to understanding this is to realize that in the Old Testament times, the temple sacrifices had to be accompanied by salt. Salt speaks of sacrifice, so the thought here is that everyone who follows Christ, every disciple is to be a willing sacrifice. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Romans 12:1. Let's not make any mistakes here about what it means to follow the Lord. There's wonder and joy and the mountaintop experiences like mount transfiguration. But the most of the life Is lived in the valley in the trenches following the Lord remember we're following him and where is he going he's going to the cross (laughs) the Bible says those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution and none of us want that we want the easy life we want the life that doesn't have any hurts or problems but you won't get to a walk with Christ in discipleship if you are going to try to avoid the difficult things all of your life this is not easy this thing God calls us to do. It is wonderful, it is fulfilling, it is venturesome, it is rewarding, but it's not easy. And Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, I'm going to the cross. (laughs) And if you're going to follow me, you're going to have your cross as well. I want you to go with me to the very last verse of the ninth chapter, for here's the major application from this whole section. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. In the days of the New Testament, salt had two purposes. First of all, it was a preservative. They would salt down meat to keep it from spoiling. They used salt as a preservative to deal with decay so that it wouldn't happen. But it was also a flavor. And salt was used to flavor food, and we use salt today to flavor food. The job of salt in our world today primarily is to make something taste good. I don't know about you, but I can't stand corn on the cob without salt. This is the words of somebody else, but it's my word too. When I have eaten a piece of corn on the cob that I really like, I put it down, and what do I say? That was great salt. No, I put it down and I say that was great corn on the cob. Why? Because the job of the salt is to make you think how great the thing that's being salted is. And what Jesus is saying here is that you can be a Christian and you can be a flavorless Christian. How do you become a flavorless Christian? You worry about what's going on with other people. You don't worry so much about what's going on with you. And you don't want anything to do with the hard things of life. If that's who you are as a Christian, I'm not saying you're not a Christian, but I'm telling you, you are a saltless Christian. That kind of a Christian doesn't make anything happen, and when people are around you, they don't think, boy, I would like to be a Christian like they are. They probably may not even know you're a Christian. What Jesus' point is with his disciples is this. This is a tough thing I'm telling you. You're going to the cross with me, and you're going to live a life of persecution from that moment on all the days of this earth. And while he may not have said it, he could have said, and all of you will die through martyrdom but if you want to make a difference in your world, here's what it looks like. And he lays out all of these stipulations, and he says, you got a choice. You can either be a Christian, so that wherever you go, when you leave the room, it's better than it was before. Maybe you're in a small group, and you show up, and you're the salt of that group. What that means is when people leave that group that night, they don't say, wasn't she wonderful? No, they say, wasn't that an incredible group? And you know why the group is incredible? Because the salt got there and made it incredible. Every one of us is salt to something if we're walking with the Lord and living according to his principles. And what Jesus wants us to know is this. There's two ways. You can't be a disciple without salt. Salt is the essence of a disciple. But following Jesus is the most incredible, wonderful experience you will ever have in your whole life. And whatever is demanded from it is well worth it. And the wonderful truth is it just keeps getting better and better until ultimately you stand before him one day and he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Someone told me a long time ago that people who do not know the Lord are on a journey away from their reward. Everything they have that's good is down here. But if you walk with the Lord, you're on a journey toward your reward. This down here isn't anything compared to what God has for you. I'm on a journey toward my reward. I have some tough days like you do and some disappointing moments like all of us. And sometimes I wonder if I can do this. Then I remember I'm a follower of the one who went to the cross. And because he went to the cross one day, he's going to wear a crown. And the Bible says when he wears a crown, I am going to reign with him on this earth as one of his associates. That's the way it works in the Christian life. And that's what God wants us to know from his word today. Well, that's great. Thank you for being with us. Uh, Before we get out of here and say our final goodbye, I want to tell you about something that's coming up just so you can get prepared for it. Every year during the Thanksgiving weekend, we have a Bible sale started way back in 13 when we released the Jeremiah Study Bible, and we've continued it every year since. So, November the 27th through December the 1st, you will be able to get copies of the Bibles we have produced at a discount, available in multiple colors and translations such as the... ESV, the NIV, and the NKJV translations. We also have a Bible for children called the Airship Genesis Bible. Uh, you want more information about that, you can call us. On that weekend, we make Bibles available to hundreds and hundreds of people. They buy them for Christmas presents, and by doing it during this time, we assure that they get them in time to get them packaged. and. Uh, So uh, just put that on your calendar. The big Bible sales coming up Thanksgiving weekend, November 27th through December the 1st. Also, remember that Turning Point produces a magazine called Turning Point's Magazine and Devotional. If you're not getting it, you should be getting it because it's a great um, asset to what we do. It uh, holds together what we teach on the radio, keeps you informed on what's happening on television. There's a devotional for every day of the week, Monday through Friday, and one for each weekend. And um, this is a great tool. You can get it uh, having it mailed to you, or you can get the devotional part of it downloaded into your email box. We'll be happy to do that if you'll just let us know. Whatever you do, make sure you get the content so that it can be a start for you every day to get going in the right direction. And uh, thank you for doing that. We'll see you right here tomorrow. God bless you. Have a great day.
0: The message you just heard originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church, where Dr. David Jeremiah serves as senior pastor. Let us know how Turning Point keeps you spiritually strong. Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 70509, RPO, Oak Street, Vancouver, B.C., V6M 0A3. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of O.S. Hawkins' new book, The Bible Code, Finding Jesus in Every Book in the Bible. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart device or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. For instant access to our programs and resources, visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series In Search of the Savior here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. It's time to move beyond the regrets of yesterday and the problems of today and instead discover that your best days are ahead. Don't miss David Jeremiah's It's Time to Move Forward online special. Dr. Jeremiah is joined by Sheila Walsh, Levi Lasco, and Anthony Evans as they share a message of hope for today. Hope to see the future with great expectation, to stand firm in the promises of God, and to move forward no matter your circumstances. Available to watch right now at davidjeremiah.org thank you for your prayers and support of Turning Point. We invite you to make an even bigger impact by becoming one of our Bible Strong partners, a special group whose support of the ministry is crucial in helping Dr. David Jeremiah deliver the unchanging Word of God to an ever changing world. Turning Point is committed to presenting sound biblical teaching all across Canada. And when you stand with us in partnership, we also commit to you to provide you with empowering resources to keep you Bible strong. When you set up your online account at davidjeremiah.ca/biblestrong, you will have instant access to Dr. Jeremiah's Topical Living Library audio messages and his companion booklets, exclusive club resources, and our quarterly Influencing Your World newsletter. You can also purchase additional study guides at a 50% discount for personal or small group studies with our convenient one-click checkout. Plus, join our exclusive Facebook page. You will have special access to new audio podcasts and additional content from Dr. Jeremiah. Join with other Bible Strong partners today by committing to give $25 or more each month. Your prayers and donations are the backbone of Turning Point, keeping us Bible Strong. For more information or to join, Visit our website today at davidjeremiah.ca slash Bible Strong.